0: Good morning, church. It's great to be here with you this morning. I uh, don't know if you saw uh, out in the foyer, uh, there are, there's a table with some uh, different knickknacks from Peru. Feel free to take some. Uh, maybe you can take some, and uh, when you see it in your home, you can think of the Frericks and, and the Albright's, uh, right? And uh, pray for us. Pray for what God is doing in Peru. There's some prayer cards out on the table. Uh, please, uh, please take one. Our email is on there. If you would like to communicate with us or uh, just hear uh, from us, from our prayer letters, what God is doing in Peru, then go ahead and send me an email. It would be uh, great to connect with you that way. Uh, it's uh, great to be here with you, Lord willing, Thursday. We'll be uh, headed back to, to Lima, Peru. Uh, pray for Peru. Pray for uh, the country. Uh, the, the whole, the whole country has pretty much been in uh, quarantine for, for over a year, uh, different levels of quarantine. Our church has not met uh, in person for over a year. Uh, everything has been online. Uh, it's hard to believe that the church is growing. Uh, the giving is, is, has gone up. It, it's amazing God's faithfulness, God's, God's miraculous power. But the church is growing. The church is doing well, uh, but definitely craving that, that time of fellowship, that time of, of coming together. So, so pray for Peru. Pray for us as we go back and uh, settle back into uh, a weirdness of what, going, what, what is going on in Peru. Uh, but uh, thank you, uh, church, for, for your support, for your prayers. And it is, it is a blessing to be here with you. Uh, as we look to 1 uh, Peter chapter 3, uh, uh, I'm reminded of, of a friend of mine who's a pastor now. But when he was about seven years old, his, his parents sent him off to camp for the week. And uh, so his mother uh, prepared his little suitcase, got all his clothes ready and uh, gave him a list of do's and don'ts. Be careful when you're at camp and uh, uh, make sure you're brushing your teeth every day. And here's there's there's a clean pair of underwear for you to put on every day. So just going down the list. And uh, so they send them off and the week bl- uh, goes by so fast, the parents pick him up. And uh, so the parents are really excited to to see him, a little bit nervous, you know, to, to see how how his uh, week at camp went. So they're asking him questions. How how was camp? Did you enjoy it? And and this kid is just so happy. He's just going on and on and on about how fun camp was. And as, so as he's talking to his parents, the mom is looking at him and thinking, something's a little off, but I, I really can't place it. So they continue to talk, and then they go into the bedroom, and, uh, take his suitcase in. She opens it up and she's unpacking, uh, you know, all his dirty clothes and and the different things in the suitcase. And she looks and she says, "Honey, where are your underwear?" And he's like, "Well, mom, you told me to put a clean pair on every day." So he had six pair of underwear on his body. He. Uh, she had tried to prepare him, and. He had a sincere heart of wanting to understand and obey, but there was a, a, a breakup, right in, in the communication there. Today, as we uh, look at First Peter, 30 years have gone by in church history. From the time that uh, in Acts chapter two, the church is born, and uh, Peter gets up and in the power of the Holy Spirit preaches. And back in, in those days when the church was first uh, uh, starting, there was persecution, there was suffering amongst believers, but it was really isolated groups, mostly led by the religious leaders. But now we, we jump ahead 30 years, and persecution for the church, for believers, has really ramped up in these 30 years. God knew that uh, within the Roman Empire, there was a dark storm of oppression that was brewing. It was getting stronger and stronger and more intense. And this was going to lead to persecution for Christians, not to be just some isolated pockets of groups, but it was going to become official policy within the Roman Empire. So with God knowing what is coming, in his amazing grace for the church, he leads Peter to write 1 Peter. And the content of 1 Peter is to to prepare God's children to be able to be equipped and know how to live an active Christian life and an active holy life. In the midst of suffering, in the midst of struggles and fears and problems. Shall we pray? God, thank you for the book of First Peter. Thank you, Father, that even though it was written long ago and applied to a group of, of believers mostly living in modern-day Turkey, preparing them, giving them the resources on how to live an active faith, a holy living in times of hurt. Father, there are biblical principles that transcend time, that speak to our hearts today. And God, I pray that wherever we are at today, your word would reach us. Father, if there's someone here this morning that needs Jesus as their Savior, that today would be the day of salvation. Father, maybe some here are struggling with with. Uh, uh, frustration, bitterness, hurt, anger. God, speak to our hearts this morning through the power of your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Please open your Bibles to uh, 1 Peter chapter 3. We'll be looking at verses 8 to 22. Thank you, Kim, for reading those verses. And uh, 1 Peter chapter 1 starts out with this amazing and glorious truth that in Jesus there is hope. Can I hear an Amen. Thank you. In Jesus, there's this awesome, powerful hope. And that hope built up in us because of Jesus in us really pushes us to be able to live out a holy living in the midst of of ugliness, of sin all around us. And it pushes us to be able to submit To our authorities, do we want to hear another amen or just glide over that one? Right, submission to authorities. Last week we heard the fantastic message of submission within where, marriage, right? And everybody's like, "Yeah, the wife must submit to the husband," right? And uh, it was really quiet. And but then Pastor mentioned how it says, "Likewise, husbands should have a submitting." spirit to their wives and we see here that that peter is bringing this whole concept of submitting surrendering suffering loving and today there's this concept of submitting to others even in the midst of suffering even if you are suffering god at many times leads us to surrender to submit to others the entire passage that we are going to be focusing on this morning is about suffering so as we as we look at this concept of suffering there's you then there's God and then what do we do with suffering so in in my life here I am with God and I'm trying to go through life hope it's not a dirty diaper Lawrence okay here. Here I am, here's God, and I'm, tr- I'm trying to get through life. I'm, tr- I'm trying to understand, figure things out, and then suffering comes in. What do I as a believer, what do I do with suffering? How, how do I deal with that? What does God want to teach me? What does God expect of me in the midst of suffering? So we're going to look at three key words in this passage. The first one is unity. Unity Because of Christ. Because of Christ in me. Verse 8, chapter 3 says, Finally, so he's been building suffering, surrender, submission. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, and tender heart, and a humble mind. Here it talks about within the body of believers, there needs to be this unity of mind, this harmony. As the instruments are playing and they all have harmony, there's unity, right? And it's beautiful. Not that that we all necessarily agree on everything. Is that that practical? We're all going to agree on everything. Haircuts, mask, no mask, beard, right? I mean, we're not going to agree on everything. But what is the concept here of of this unity in mind? It's that we all as believers in Jesus Christ are pursuing truth. Through God's word, we are pursuing truth. And as we understand God's truth, that unites us. That binds us together in our minds. We are committed. It doesn't matter the circumstances. It doesn't even matter the degree of suffering in my life. I am, I am bound, we are bound one to another in the unity of the truth of God's Word. And if we are all committed to the truth of God's Word, that will develop an inward unity that no persecution can break. And it mentions suffering, or I'm sorry, sympathy. Excuse me, sympathy. The idea of sympathy is sharing the same feeling. One with another. So often in the church, we're going through our emotions, we're, we're living life, and other people are hurting in the church, and we are completely oblivious to their hurting. Or we see someone that, you know, might be struggling, ah, uh, you know, pobrecito, too bad, they had a bad day, and we just kind of go on with our life, and, we, and we, do, we don't realize or we're not even interested if in others are hurting. Uh, I grew up in Lima, Peru, and uh, as, as kids in Peru, when you were playing, playing a game, playing soccer, it was mostly soccer, and someone got hurt, the natural reaction was to laugh. And uh, so, so all of a sudden, I'm in junior high, in Spokane, Washington, at a Christian school, playing soccer and P.E., and some kid gets hurt. What do I do? I laugh. And so I'm laughing, and all of a sudden I look around, and all, all the other kids are like taking, taking the knee, you know, going down. And I'm like, well, yeah, I'm just laughing. I'm having fun. And all of a sudden, everybody starts looking at me. You're know, like, what is that crazy kid from Peru doing? Why is he laughing? And that's when I was like, oh, okay, in this country, it's not okay to laugh. You don't laugh. You know, you are to sympathize with others. Someone is hurting, I should be sympathizing with them. And that truth comes into the church also. And within the church, that brings unity. And if there's unity within the church, we will be sympathizing. We will be sharing same feelings. Brotherly love, tender heart, humble mind. Because of Christ, because of what Christ has done for us, There can be uh, inner unity even in the moments of persecution, even in the moments of despair, of hurting, of suffering. There can be and there should be unity. When is it tough for you in your family, with your husband, with your wife, with a church member, with a friend? Is there ever a moment that it's difficult for you to, to... to reach true, pure, heartfelt unity? Or are we all like perfect saints here? No, no, no problems here at all. That this is for the other engaged network church, right? Not not for us. Do, do any of you guys are there times in your lives where you struggle to 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 find that that unity, that peace with with your spouse, with a fellow believer? Obviously, we do, right? Because it's in the Word for us. It's important. And what God is desiring, what God is saying is that suffering, if we are focused on Christ and on the truth, that suffering will push us to be united as a body in our minds and also in our mouths, with our mouths. Verses 9 and following, it says, Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary. Okay, so here this concept of with your mouth, with your words, what happens? Okay, can I have uh, two volunteers to come down quickly? I have a couple flags. All you need to do is wave them for a little bit. We'll we'll change things up this morning. Two people might... Come volunteer. We can't finish until we move forward. So two people, you guys ready for lunch? Okay, there's a flag right over there and a flag right over here. It uh, it won't hurt you, I promise. Okay, we have one brave guy. Thank you. Oh, thank you very much. You guys are, are too kind. Okay, so so all you need to do is, uh, it's, you're going to be doing it for a few minutes. There you go. Just wave it. And the idea is to see how far up you guys can read it, read the sign. One flag is a lot bigger. The words are bigger. One flag is a little bit smaller, and the words are smaller. So it's going to be a little bit more difficult. Okay. So you guys just just have at it. Have fun, and uh, and uh, we'll, we'll we'll see who wins. Okay. All right. Okay. So so what he's saying is, don't revile evil for evil. Don't repay evil for evil. And and the, the context it's clear that there are wicked, evil people out there with intentions to be mean, to, to curse, to abuse, to insult you. And when you feel like you are under attack, when you feel like the world is trying to hurt you, it might it might even be at a moment a spouse is trying to harm you, trying to verbally abuse you, to be mean to you, to be unkind to you. What are you to do? This verse says, stop! Don't you be mean back. Don't you revile them. Don't do that. What must you do? What does verse 9 say? It says, do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, which is what our flesh likes to do. Amen? Yeah, yeah. It's what our flesh likes to do, right? Admit it. Can't lie, you're in church, right? Okay, do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. Say what? We are to bless. How are you guys' arms? Are your arms okay? Yeah, okay. All right. You feel like a dork over there? You're doing, you're doing fantastic. You no, know, come on, you gotta go like this, man. You gotta, there you go, okay. There we go. Okay, all right. Maybe a little bit overkill, but that's good, that's good. Keep it up. Okay, all right. This concept of bless is to, we are to speak well of others while they are hurting us. Is that possible? Is it possible to speak good of someone while they are harming us, while they are hurting us, attacking us? Th- think about it, if, if your little kid, your little, little daughter were to go to school and comes back and she's crying her eyeballs out you're like what's wrong Susie she tells you how how her friends or the girls were mean to her making fun of her what's what's your reaction what's your immediate reaction gonna be is it gonna be oh sweetie let's pray for them is that is that what it's gonna be is that what your flesh is going to desire Or are you gonna be thinking say what you got to be kidding there's rules about this. They have no idea who they're, who they're dealing with. And immediately, that's fantastic. That's really good. Okay. How's your arm doing? Is it doing okay? Okay. Very good. Okay. All right. And when we are under attack, our flesh wants to respond with anger, with being even more aggressive, to be revengeful. We're not going to want to bless others. How can we bless others while being under attack? Any ideas? What should we, what, what's a way that you can, God, God is saying, don't repay evil with evil, but bless them. How, what, what is a way that you as a follower of Jesus Christ can bless someone else while they are making you uncomfortable or they are hurting you or offending you? What, what's what's a way? Any ideas? Pray. Very good. Absolutely. One of the neatest. You know, when when uh, as I pastor people, and they have issues with other people, they're 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 annoyed at, they're angry at, they're mad at. One of the first things I tell them is is pray for that person, because as you pray for someone, guys doing okay? Okay, good. Thanks. As as you pray for someone then it changes. God starts changing my heart. And I can't continue to be angry for someone as I'm praying for them. We can pray for someone. So, so does that mean if someone's like being cruel to you, you just get down on your hands and knees, put your hands up in the air, start praying? No, No, not necessarily that, right? But praying in your heart for that person. Even in the moment of frustration, of fear, of anger, Allow the Holy Spirit to push in you to pray for that person. Something else is to forgive that person. Maybe they are completely in the wrong. They have judged you. They have misunderstood you. Forgive that person. Allow unconditional love from you for that person. When was the last time that you saw someone bless their attackers? doesn't happen very often, does it? Think of Jesus on the cross, Stephen in Acts, but it doesn't happen very often. Verse 9 continues. It says that you may obtain a blessing. And what, what's the idea here that you may obtain a blessing? You are being attacked. It's unfair. It's cruel. It's hurting you. And you are to bless them. You are to pray for them, encourage them. And if I am faithful to God in my suffering, in my moment of anger, in my moment of attack, if I am blessing that person, forgiving them, loving them, you may obtain a blessing. God is going to intervene in your behalf. God is going to bless you. God is going to strengthen you. And the verses 10, 11, and 12 come from Psalm 34 uh, to, to back up this concept. In the middle of a verbal attack, in the middle of suffering, you can have what was a key word that, that pastor mentioned last week in his message. You guys remember? It starts with a W. Winsome. Very good. You want to have a winsome life for God? Do you want to have a, a pleasant, joyful life for God? With God, in God? In the midst of verbal attacks, how can I have a winsome life? It's okay to defend yourself, but always with truth, with kindness, loving others, and remembering. This, this is a key verse for this concept of uh, 1 Peter 3, Genesis fifty twenty. It's when Joseph in the Old Testament is talking to his brothers. Joseph was abused. He had an unfair life. I'm almost done. You doing okay? Okay. Okay, sweet. All right. Okay. So, so um, uh, Joseph has had so many unfair things done in his life, but he was faithful to God through it all. And in Genesis 50-20, when he is finally reunited with his brothers that betrayed him, sold him. He says, As for you, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. What? The suffering that Joseph underwent, that many people should be kept alive. And God can use suffering. God desires to use suffering to unite the church and for us to have a godly testimony to those outside the church Verse 11, it goes on and it says, in so doing, you will pursue peace. And this is a, an active force, not just, well, hopefully if I can get peace, but it's actively pursuing peace, desiring it. And in verse 12, it talks about God is watching over his children. And that's a blessing. In the midst of your suffering, You, as we just sang, Uh, We don't have all the answers. We don't know what God is doing, but we believe that God is at work. God is doing something. So I am suffering. People are attacking me. I have doubts. I have insecurities. But I am to do good. I am to bless others. And as I do this, then God is looking out on me. God sees me. God will not allow me to be tested more than I can endure. What verse is that? 1 Corinthians 10, very good, 10.13. God won't allow you to be tested above what you are able to endure. Hang in there. God is using, God is allowing the, the suffering in your life for his glory. And when God looks on your life, he zones in on your life, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. What does God see in your life? And now we come to the flags. How about if we give them a round of applause? Thanks guys. Okay. So what does this one say? How far back could you guys read it? Okay, all the way back. Excellent. Good job. And what does this flag say? How far back could you guys read it? Yeah, okay. All right, sweet. All right, thank you. Very good. Appreciate it. Okay. So so the idea is, you know, one flag is bigger, bigger print than the other. And they had to wave it so that you guys could read what was on the flag. Now, obviously, unity in today's culture means a lot of things. We're not talking about political unity. Uh, We're not talking about social justice or any of those things. We're talking about the truth of God's Word and the church of Jesus Christ being united in the truth of God's Word. And so as God looks on His children and He sees your life, Today, tomorrow, in a week, in a month, what does God see? Does he see that you have this tiny little little attempt to show others unity? Or does he see in your life that you are making a huge effort? You're making a big effort. You want everybody to know that you believe in the truth of God's word, and that is producing Unity through your life, to those around you. What does God see in your life? Is it a loud shout of unity because of the truth of God's word? Or when suffering comes, you get down, you get discouraged, you, you, get, you, get, you get angry, and you just kind of fizzle out. No one knows where you went, what's going on. God allows suffering to strengthen and build up His church. One is obvious and big, pursuing unity with believers, pursuing peace with all. And another one is not so obvious. It's small. What does God see in our life? So number one is unity because of Christ. The second one is honor, Honor Christ with your life. Verse 13, we'll, we'll pick up here. It says, Now who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you so first of all we are to be what united because of christ because of what christ has done unity in the body and now honor the father so in suffering there should be unity and now honor Honor God. There's two different ways we see here. In these verses we just read three times, it talks about doing good. And the context is suffering. Now, when you're suffering, what's your natural tendency? It's to focus on yourself, right? My, my hurt, my sadness. Psalm 37 is, is a, a chapter that really gives key insight into how to overcome depression. And it says, trust in God and do good. And the idea is when you are under attack, you're discouraged, you're overwhelmed. Do good. Do good. Verse 13 talked about being zealous for what is good. The idea of zealous is someone who is always passionate about one, one thing. You guys have a, fr- a friend that, they, I mean, they are always hung up on one thing, right? And, and in here, in the times of the Jews, there was a group called the zealots. They were, they were passionate for the Jews. They, they were patriot Jews. They wanted to defeat the Romans at any cost, whether it was Whether it was lying, cheating, stealing, killing, them dying, they didn't care. Whatever it took to defeat the Romans. So what is is, uh, Peter saying here for believers? You want to honor God with your life? You want to have a winsome life for God? Be zealous for doing good. That's what God wants from you. No matter the circumstances, no matter the harm, the fear, the suffering, be zealous for doing good and speak the truth. Verse 15 is a fantastic verse that we read. Always being prepared to make a defense. And from that word defense, uh, you guys know it's the idea of apologetics. Being able to defend your faith. Uh, Kelly and I had just arrived in, uh, in Peru, a young missionary, so excited about uh, preaching the gospel. We were at a, a soccer practice for Joseph. And so uh, uh, I made my way over to a lady that her, her son was playing there too and introduced myself. Uh, Hola, uh, me, me llamo Esteban. She said, oh, me llamo Erika, And so we started talking. And, uh, and then all of a sudden, out of the blue, she said, well, well I believe in reincarnation. Uh, hmm. I'm like, okay, Faith Baptist Bible College. And okay, what, what class? What verse? What do I do with reincarnation? Uh, and, and, and in that moment, I was not able to defend my faith. It's like, nice to meet you. See I, you. know. What, what verse would you guys use? for Someone that, that believes in reincarnation. Maybe in Hebrews. Huh? Janessa, what verse would you use? What does it say? Judgment. Okay. Yeah, okay. Uh, Yeah, and we're all to die one time. But there was an opportunity in my life when I had to defend my faith, and I utterly failed. Here it says, Always, always, always even it when you're suffering even when you're hurting even when you're overwhelmed with life being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks from you for the reason for the hope it goes back to chapter one the living hope in me why are you so joyful why is there hope in you in the midst of hurting and suffering are you ready to make a defense to speak the truth how many of you guys like roller coasters? Anybody? Okay. I wish I did, but my body doesn't. I get on a roller coaster. Well, I don't anymore, but I, you know, I, I would for my kids. And this is me holding on with my eyes closed and and, and holding my breath. And kind of peeking to see if we're done. And I, I just don't enjoy it. And so often, how many times as believers, is that our same response in suffering? It's kind of... God, why is this happening to me? No. God, this is, this is not fair. God, this is too much. God, I can't do this. And we just want to hold on tight through the hurting, through the suffering. And God is saying, no, 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 no. Don't just hold on. Yeah, are you, you suffering? Okay, Okay, yes, you're suffering. But others are hurting and suffering too. And if they are not believers in Christ, then they don't have the living hope that you have in you. They're suffering. They're hurting much more than you are. Do you want to have a winsome life for me before God? Defend your faith. Stand for your hope. Share your hope. Do good and speak the truth. We aren't suffering much today, right? Compared to others in the world. And I mean, just think of our church family in Lima, Peru. Some of them have literally, physically not left their house in a year. That's, that's crazy. We, we don't suffer like so many others do. But we are busy. We are tired. Years ago, uh, a couple of the neighborhood kids uh, that Joseph played soccer with, wanted did have a Bible study. And so Kelly's like, hey, yeah, won't we'll give a, The only time in the whole week they could figure out when to have a Bible study was Sunday afternoon. I'm like, what? <laughs> Sunday morning church, Sunday evening church, Sunday afternoon lunch, descanso, you know, break, rest. That's the only time. You got to be kidding me. And so, so Kelly and Joseph would have this Bible study with, with Marco Noscat. For weeks, I'd be up upstairs in my bed, you know, trying to sleep. And the Holy Spirit would not allow me to sleep. And uh, I'm like, but God, I'm tired. I'm busy. Come on. I need to rest because I have to go back to church. And, yeah, I'd roll over and roll over. And I don't know, weeks went by. And finally, I was like, okay, Lord. So, you know, I went down to be a part of the study. By God's grace, they got saved, growing in Christ, very involved in church. But it was a moment that I was tired it was In my mind, it was me time. God was saying, child of mine, yeah, you're suffering, but they're suffering without Christ. You need to help them. It's not always easy in life, but do you want to honor God? Do you want to honor God with your life? And... Then three, to to close, we go on. So what was the first one? Unity. Unity. Very good. Unity. Second one? Honor. Okay. And the third one is suffering. Suffering for Christ. Now, before we begin, uh, let's understand what we're talking about here, suffering for Christ. Years ago, Kelly and I went to this convent in southern Peru, and in one room, there was a literal bed of nails, they, they, I remember them being at least three or four inches tall. And the person to try and uh, get closer to God would lay liter- literally on the bed of nails. So they thought that through their suffering, that would draw them closer to God. And that's not what the Bible teaches, and that's not what, what Peter is saying here. Peter is not saying suffer to get closer to Jesus. Don't seek suffering. What Peter is saying is seek Jesus. And while you seek Jesus, if that brings suffering into your life, then embrace the suffering. So first of all, we see the example of Jesus in suffering. Verse 18 says, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. Christ suffered once for sins. In the Jewish culture, the Jews had to continuously, routinely, be offering sacrifices that would temporarily uh, allow them to be right with God. But the Bible taught that those sacrifices pointed to one final sacrifice, which would be the Messiah, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. So what we see here is that Peter is saying, Yeah, Jews, you don't have to continue to offer sacrifices. Christ suffered once for sins for all. Christ was that final sacrifice. He paid for your sins. He did it all. The righteous Christ for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. I have a picture here if we could bring it up couple a few days ago i was talking to joseph on the phone he's in the grocery store by our house and all of a sudden he's like dad dad i think Nyor just walked in the grocery store Nyor is one of the top five soccer players in peru very very famous guy and uh, i said i said joseph he he, yeah he's he's a neat guy he lives by our house uh go say hi to him go introduce yourself to him so so he you know he hangs up and uh, then a while later he texts me right there in the middle It was totally him. Joseph was so excited, you know, like a five-year-old, just so excited because he had met Ñol. His name is uh, Ñolberto Solano. okay, Ñol. And uh, the idea here is that because of the sacrifice of Jesus, that doesn't just bring us into a a friendship or relationship with a famous person, It brings us to who? To God. Can you say that? The suffering of Jesus brings us to who? To God. Christ's suffering brings us into a relationship with Jesus. How? How does Christ's suffering bring us into a relationship with God? Verse 18 says, "...being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit." So first of all, Jesus died his his flesh. He died on the cross. Did Jesus have to die for our sins? If God is so powerful, couldn't God have paid for our sins a different way? What do you think? Did Jesus have to die? Yes or no? Thank you, yes. Jesus had to die. Why? Why? Because God, the judge of the world, the judge of man, said for the wages of sin is death. The only payment that God will accept for our sin. Are you a sinner? There's four sinners here. Yeah, we're all, right? The Bible says, for all have sinned. We're all sinners. Sin is anything that goes against the nature of God. And because I have sinned, I have a debt with God. I cannot pay for that debt. It's like like a slave trying to free another slave. You can't do that. We are slaves to sin. I cannot pay. I cannot free myself from sin. The only payment that God offers or accepts is death. And God knows that if Steve Ferricks dies in his sin as a sinner, he will go to eternity, separated from God, because God is holy. And that's why Jesus Christ said, I love Steve and all of humanity so much that I will send Jesus Christ. And Jesus paid for my sin. Jesus died in my place. He died on the cross for my sin. Now, if I were to die for you, would you go to heaven if I died for you? Of course not. Because I am a sinner just like you. And I would not have the power to rise from the dead. But Jesus lived a sinless life Life. Jesus gave his life. When Jesus was on the cross, he was thinking of you and me. And then he said, it is finished. He paid in full. He died and then he rose again on the third day, conquering death, defeating death. People today are afraid of death. It is is uncertain. We, We don't understand it. God defeated that fear for us. And then, we have the example, and now we have the picture of Christ's suffering. Verse 20 goes on and it says, Because they formerly did not obey, they, they sinned, when God's patience waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through water. So the picture of the ark here, is that for 120 years, Noah was obeying God, building the ark, and people all around him were making fun of him. They were persecuting him, and Noah was suffering at the, at the, at the abuse and the persecution that people gave to him. But for 120 years, God was patient, and God allowed through Noah the word of truth to go to them. The purpose of the ark was to rescue, to save the just. But it was also a picture of judgment for anyone who did not get in the ark. If you did not believe the message of Noah and get in the ark, judgment came your way. And then the rains fell, and the ark sailed safely through the judgment of water. And so, The picture here is that the only way for us to sail through the judgment of our sin is we have to be in Christ. Just as those eight people were in the ark, and that saved them from judgment. You and I, we must be in Jesus. Why Jesus? Because Jesus died and rose again for our sins. If you are safe in Jesus, you are safe from the judgment of your sin. Then verse 22 reads on that Jesus is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Why? Because the work of God is finished. Did the suffering of Christ on the cross, did it produce something good? Yes or no? Absolutely. It produced salvation for you and for me. And you can have a winsome life today, even in the midst of suffering. Maybe you're here this morning and and you say, "I, I believe in God. I believe the Bible. I believe in Jesus. But I'm not sure that if I were to die right now, I don't know if I would go to heaven. God says the first step to have a winsome life is to confess your sin and put your faith in Jesus Christ alone for the forgiveness of your sins. And if you are a believer in Christ this morning. What is your perspective? What is your view on suffering? Is it something? No, 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 no. I, I, I just, I, I can't deal with that right now. Or do you see it as an opportunity for God to work in you for his glory? I have a couple of pictures here to, to, to end. Have any of you guys seen this game? Merge number? Anybody? Yeah? Okay, no? I'm all by myself? All right. Uh, it's a game I've been playing for a couple years on my phone, and uh, just mer- merging the numbers. Uh, that was very helpful, wasn't it? And uh, and so uh, at, at the top of my game, uh, uh, I would probably get to uh, like 7,000 points. And about two weeks ago, I was playing with Jordan, and Jordan said, hey, Dad, I think at the bottom there's some resources that you can use. I was like, what? For real? I've been playing this for like two years. I think there's some resources down there that you can use. And so I tried it, and sure enough, I could use them. Changed my life forever. (laughs) You see see the score? 50,000. I went from, like, barely making 7,000 to now without even trying. 50,000. That's insane. So what are some applications here? Maybe, maybe uh, your spiritual life, especially with suffering, is kind of like that kid that went off to camp, that, that parents were trying to prepare him, and he was oblivious to what they meant. And maybe you are a follower of Jesus Christ, but when it comes to suffering, you're oblivious that God wants to use suffering. It's not that God is, is giving you the suffering, but in the suffering in this fallen world, God wants to use that suffering to push you towards unity in the body, peace with others, honoring him, and give you opportunities to share the good news of Jesus Christ with those around you. Are you aware of the resources you have as a believer, the word of God, the Holy Spirit, the church, the body, the fellowship? Are you aware of the resources that God has given to you for something so much more important than a silly game? And then in that game, so often I'd be playing along and after a few minutes, I'd, I'd get in trouble. and be like, oh, eh, yeah, too difficult. I'm done. Dead. But now with those resources, I'm not done. I'm not dead. I can keep playing. I can keep going forward. What's your, what's your spiritual life like now? Are you discouraged? Do you feel like, you know what? I, I, I'm kind of at the end of my rope. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, am I getting too close to you guys? Here, I'll back up. Am I, am I at the end of my rope? Oh, I, I don't know if I can keep going. Oh, I just, I, just, I, I need help. I, I need something. And God's saying, hello, I have resources for you through the blood of Jesus Christ. You've got the Holy Spirit. You've got the Word of God. You've got me. You've got your church. So that you can keep moving forward and enjoy a winsome life for the glory of God. Shall we pray? God, thank you so much for your Word. Thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit within us. The power of your Word in our lives. And God, so often it's so easy for us to get caught up in, in, in suffering, get overwhelmed by suffering, get angry at suffering, or just be self-focused in the middle of suffering. God, you are an awesome God. You are a powerful God. Father, I pray that if there's someone here this morning that is not sure of their salvation, that you would save them today, that they would ask you for forgiveness and believe in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. God, for your church, may we be united, Father, for your glory. And Lord, may we not so much enjoy suffering, but may we embrace it knowing that you are a sovereign God and that you want to use it for your glory and honor in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.